Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. I'm Helen Scales, marine biologist and a writer. And I'm Shay Rhodes. I'm a journalist and filmmaker. And this is Earth Unscrewed. This living planet of ours is just jaw-droppingly amazing. And we're not exactly taking care of it, are we? We've got oceans full of plastic, species dying out at a phenomenal rate, whole ecosystems being destroyed as we speak. Our daily lives are affecting this incredible place. And I guess the big question is, well, is it too late? We're going to find out a bit more about sustainable projects which could fix the problems. And hopefully unscrew the planet. Hello and welcome to another episode of Earth Unscrewed. This week we're talking fashion. We're on the road in one of the world's big four fashion capitals in London. Fashion is the second most polluting industry in the world today after the oil industry. And, of course, like everything, there's a few different aspects to the problem. There's the issue of producing the fabrics in the first place. It's super intensive and not very efficient. For example, to produce just one kilo of cotton generates an average of 23 kilos of greenhouse gases. And then there's all the waste. The fashion industry disposes of an estimated 14 million tonnes of clothing and fabric every year. And that's all just going straight into landfill. So we're going to be looking into this by meeting the amazing people who are trying to change fashion and make it more sustainable. So right now we're outside the offices of Better Cotton Initiative. We wanted to make this the first stop of the day because the topic is such a big one. Yeah, so something like 75% of all of the garments made in the world are made of cotton. So my shoes have got some cotton in, they've got some denim bits in, my socks are cotton, my jeans are made of cotton... Uh, my t-shirt's made of cotton. I believe this is wool. Um, and that's it. So a lot of cotton. Actually, I think my socks aren't cotton. I think they're bamboo. Organic cotton leggings. And if you want to know, cotton undies as well. Organic cotton undies, actually. OK, well, then let's head inside to meet Better Cotton Initiative's Eva Benavidez-Clayton and find out a bit more. Push the door, please. Oh. Our mission is to make cotton production more sustainable for the people who produce it, for the environments it's grown in, and for the sector as a whole. I suppose my first question is, why do we need better cotton? What's wrong with the cotton we've got? The primary environmental challenges are water usage, so it takes lots of water, overusage of agrochemicals, which are pesticides and synthetic fertilizer, 
and then also changing natural habitat for agricultural purposes to grow cotton. What's your approach to starting to deal with these issues? We have a framework, or what we call a standard, that outlines principles for growing cotton more sustainably. So our emphasis is really about providing training to farmers who need it, farmers who need it the most. One of the things that farmers do to grow cotton more sustainably is to recognize the amount of pesticides they're using. So for some farmers, they might have had access to pesticides and just used it abundantly and and didn't really think and look about if a crop really needs pesticides because lots of times they don't. Another example, too, is uh, new irrigation techniques. First, to just be aware of the amount of water they're using and then using simple tools and practices to conserve water and, and use it more sparingly. Still growing cotton and still producing, increasing their yields, but also just being very aware of the amount of water that's being used. Why should we care about the cotton in our clothes? There certainly are areas where farmers have not taken care of the soil health, and because of that, they're no longer able to grow cotton there. They're no longer able to grow crops there, so they have depleted the soil. That land is no longer usable. We also know that not thinking about the biodiversity and the surrounding areas of where you're growing cotton can have really detrimental effects to to the wildlife in that area. Also, again, pesticide use, too. So there's a story of a farmer in China. After training and getting information about proper use of, of pesticides and being very thoughtful about what was being applied to the crop, once they were starting to use fewer pesticides, the, the following years they saw a return of wildlife and birds to that area that they hadn't seen for a while. I'm quite interested to know as I listen to you, how much do farmers have this kind of input normally? You must be among the first people to ever come along and suggest mm. these things. So we work with small, medium and large farmers. So that's smallholder farmers in Mozambique and large farmers in Australia or Brazil or the United States. And there is differing amounts of knowledge and some smallholder farmers we work with already did have lots of good knowledge to begin with. One of the first things is recognizing what existing knowledge is in that community. So we also recognize that the sustainability challenges in different countries and in different regions varies. And so the training and the information that a farmer needs in one part of the world might look different from what training a, a farmer in another area needs. And the farmers that do grow their cotton to the, the principles outlined in the Better Cotton Standard, they, they're licensed farmers, and so then the, the cotton they produce can be sold as better cotton. However, though, we use a system called mass balance. So, for example, a retailer places an order for a finished garment, let's say a T-shirt, and they request that one metric ton of better cotton is associated with that order. So we know then that a cotton farmer somewhere must produce one metric ton of cotton that is better cotton. This cotton then, it gets mixed in along the supply chain and is not physically traced. And for us, it's actually not necessary because ultimately we're focused on making cotton production, cotton growing more sustainable. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter to the farmer where that better cotton ends up. It's a lot like renewable energy 
in that sense. So if you buy renewable energy credits, they don't, say, run a line from the wind farm directly to your house. However, because you purchase them, they've been uploaded to the grid and displaced non-renewable energy. And so you know that you're supporting this. You know that it's being created and you know that it's entering the grid and being used somewhere. It might not power the lights in your house, but it is powering the lights somewhere. This is going to increasingly be how cotton is made. By 2020, we aim to reach 5 million farmers, and we hope that they will be growing 30% of the world's cotton. We want to make better cotton a mainstream, sustainable commodity. So yes, it is certainly about scale. It's not about working with a small group of farmers in one area. It's about working with as many farmers as possible and trying to make sort of converting conventional cotton to more sustainable cotton. Last year, Better Cotton made up 12% of all of the cotton that's produced in the world. So we have you know, ambitious goals and we want to get to 30%, but I think it's about making it accessible to everyone. You know, We would love to see all cotton grown more sustainably. Whether that be Better Cotton, Organic Cotton, Fair Trade, we, we, we support all efforts to make cotton more sustainable. So we caught the bus. We're now heading through the streets of London on our lovely electric bus, or hybrid electric bus. So yeah, I really loved the fact that that was about changing cotton generally and then putting the cotton out there for everybody to make into whatever they want instead of making it all about me buying something that makes me feel like I've done something good. I feel like fundamentally that's going to be better for the environment in the long run if all the cotton out there is somehow better. Yeah, totally. I mean, I love her analogy of putting energy into the grid, like green energy into the grid. It's all about supporting the whole industry and trying to make that better. And we're going to go and find out about a different type of fibre that's going to be made into clothes. Pineapples aren't apparently just for eating. I grew up in the tropics, so you, you play with pineapples when you grow up in the tropics. Just It's one of those things. And they are very fibrous, and I can totally see how they could be made into something. I cheated a bit and I went on the internet and I looked at a video, but it may have been the wrong video. So I'm expecting that we're gonna get off this bus and I'll be in the Philippines outside a bamboo hut with a guy tearing up pineapples. I may be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) And while we're on our way to the next interview, why not have a listen to this? This is Eric Bauer, the CEO of Vega, a Danish company that's introducing a subscription and renting model for baby and toddler clothing, which sounds like an absolute godsend to new parents like myself. Viga is the world's first international product use service enabling parents to subscribe to the use of high-quality maternity and kids' wear. So there's a number of problems being addressed. One, a simple and universal fact. Pregnancy bellies and kids grow. Clothes don't. Close to 270 pieces of clothing already being purchased before your kid turns two. The clothes are actually only worn between five and ten times. So literally, why would you buy? But there's a bigger context which we are addressing, which is we are definitely collectively as a community transitioning out of, I have to own this. I mean, Netflix, you don't have to own these videos anymore. I mean, you would watch it one, two, maybe three times, and then you're probably done. And then in a few years time, you say, oh, I remember that movie, but you don't need to have it. 
uh, you know, it's, it's accessible because you pay a subscription fee. In this occasion, you're using something for a short while. Maybe if you have another child uh, later, yeah, then you may tap into it. But then, you know, you need to find it. It's, it's, it's just taking space. So if you think about hand-me-downs, that's probably only swapped between one and three times parent to parent. Whereas with Viga, we actually, our products switch from family to family eight to ten times. And I even heard stories of some of our products being swapped around 20 times without losing quality. I mean, the whole concept of secondhand is not new, but the fact that you actually pay a subscription fee for the use instead of ownership is different. Our products have been produced with circularity in mind, meaning that we have applied certain ways of producing the, the clothes so we can extend the durability of it. So as your kit grows, you can actually use the same piece of clothes. We have extensions on the sleeves and on the legs. As your kit grows, even within that particular size, even that size becomes um, extendable. Basically, as soon as your kit or your belly grows out, you send it back and receive the next size. If you think about newborn, then you would probably already swap after the first month. In general, you can say it's two to three months that you would swap. When we get the garments back, we inspect them for flaws, we repair them and make them ready for the next family. When you look at how much we have already reduced, we have seen that at least in terms of water, we have saved already with our Viga users nearly 10 million liters of water and around 10 kilo in cotton. That's what we have saved already since our existence. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Eric. It says Somerset House oh, over there, there on a massive... That looks about right. Oh, so this is perfect. First sunny day in London, and we've got yeah. fountains, and we've got kids in and bare feet. Of course, we have children in bare feet running Playing. through the fountains. Oh, is it cold? Yeah, it's nice. It's quite warm, actually. Helen, don't get your shoes wet. <laughs> cool, so we're here at Somerset House, and our next port of call is Ananasanam, a company who are using pineapples to make an alternative to leather. So I'm pretty interested to find out how this is going to work. <laughs> I literally, I, I have nothing to give you to help you out here, except that ananas means pineapple. We don't know what we're getting into, so let's go find let's out. Let's go find out. <laughs> Hello, my name is Carmen Nijosa, and I am the founder of Ananas Anam, which is the company looking after piñatecs from beginning to end. I grew up in the tropics, so I, as a kid, played with pineapples and the tops of pineapples and things, and I have noticed the kind of stringy nature. But where on earth did you get the idea to try and turn that into cloth? You know, I think ideas usually come when you are confronted with something that to say something like, what the hell? And this, what the hell for me was that my background, I had a company in Ireland where I lived manufacturing leather goods. Lovely, beautiful quality leather. But because of that, I was asked to do consultancy work everywhere. So by the time I got to the Philippines, I was thinking, wow, so where is my leather coming from? And I went to a tannery, 
real tannery, not the offices, the flashy places, but the tannery. And I realized, my goodness, this is an awful place. The smell, the people, shocking, totally shocking it was. So I decided there and then, I'm not going to use leather anymore. So Piatek's idea didn't come just like that. It came from a shocking realization and then slowly thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to replace this product with? Starting to look for natural materials from the country I was in and natural skills. What could I use that was around me? And that was very, very important for me. And working with farmers, working with weavers, I discovered natural fibers. And one of the fibers was pineapple leaf fiber, which is one of the finest fibers. And then the idea clicked in saying, what if I make a mesh with these fibers, not unlike what leather is? So that's the story of the idea. Can you tell us a little bit more about how much of a problem the leather industry is? I think if we look at the bigger picture, which is where does leather come from? From an animal, right? Now, that's the problem. Think of 1.5 billion cattle in the world, more than the population of China. Now, what do they eat? How much water do they need? How much grass, how much food do they need? This is the big issue. And think of about 290 million cattle slaughtered every year. That's also an issue. And where do these animals live? And if we think that Brazil, for example, which is the country that exports more beef in the world, and the Amazon basin, which is really where all the cattle farmers are, and 80% of the forestation is because of this. And we can all do something about it. It's not just tanneries or big chemicals. We have the power to say, well, I'm not going to eat meat, or I'm going to eat less. So this will resolve in, it could be resolved, you know, this manner. So. I think we get totally the, the driver for why you might want to move away from leather. But why pineapple? What is it that, uh, what, what jumped out of you once you started experimenting with it? Yes, um, and again, because at the time I was looking at substituting or finding an alternative to leather. And if you look at the pineapple fibers, which are really soft, and it's really the only one that I found because it's so fine and strong, and all the other fibers I found, they were not this fine. They could have been stronger, but they would not have made this vision of a mesh of fibers that I had in my mind. You know, we are developing a product that the bigger it gets, or the more we have, the more people can benefit. Thousands upon thousands of farmers that they are living really under the poverty line, and I have seen that. And you think, oh, we can make a difference. So what the farming community do after the pineapple is harvested, right? They go back into the fields and they pick by hand the leaves. And it's the women can do that, and I've seen it, which is wonderful as well. So that's, again, you know, the farmers may do their heavy job, but a lot of the women, they are happy to, to pick the leaves. So the leaves are gathered and they are piled in this decorticating machine, which is a very mechanical process, and it separates the soft tissue from the fibers. Yeah. Well, then it's washed straight away and dried in the sun. Having extracted the fibers, we've got another beautiful material there, uh, which is the biomass, which is about 
98%. Now, biomass is, is a wonderful thing because what do you do with biomass? So, all the nutrients are, are in the biomass. Uh, the fibers are nearly 100% cellulose. And this biomass can be converted into organic fertilizer. And this is wonderful because imagine from a waste and a waste, you've got another revenue stream and thinking that fertilizers, chemical fertilizers, which is what they usually use, is actually the most expensive thing they have to buy. It's absolutely wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this biomass is it's really, to me, it's, it's gold again, you know, <laughs> because it can really, number one, you can use everything, thing. it doesn't waste anything, uh, but it really brings, again, more income streams into the countryside. So this is, to me, very wonderful. This is very wonderful. So you're, so you're taking the leaves off the plants, pulling out the fibres, everything that's left could almost be made into fertiliser to go back and grow more pineapples and the whole thing keeps going. It's wonderful. Well, I'm holding a beautifully sculpted stiletto here. Silver. It's not just a shiny leather silver. It's got a lovely kind of almost matte mottled texture to it. Yeah, that's a beautiful one. There's some sandals too in silver. There's trainers. I like these gold trainers, actually. So we've got, we've got some Puma trainers here, which are pretty cool. This is a camper shoe. This is a Puma shoe. Like, they haven't compromised on their own design ethics at all, but they've used a completely new material, which I find very interesting. They haven't tried to make an eco shoe. They haven't said, let's be eco Puma. It's, it's just a Puma shoe. The colours are different, the textures are different, but you can see any trainer head going, oh, I want a pair of those, because well, it looks cool. Really enjoyed that. It was really fun meeting her. I, d I think we're a bit sort of speechless, really. I didn't know, kind of expect to see such a complete solution from something so simple. The leaves of a pineapple end up becoming very lovely shoes, but also, a, much more importantly, a real solution for people in the country and how they're going to make money, how they're going to keep that economy going, keep the fertilizers going, all that kind of stuff. It's really cool, really big thinking, I think. Absolutely. Like, you know, circular economy is great, but that gives you this kind of slightly one-dimensional view where a spherical economy is almost what she's come up with, where each waste product goes round the circle again and then there's another waste product and that goes round as well. And suddenly you end up with this whole sphere of recycled, reused, stuff and like you say the benefit for the individual farmers must be huge okay so should we let's head back to the studio then and wrap up awesome so what do you think was the most interesting thing you saw today i have to say i was really impressed by pinatex and by that whole outfit i think we went in not really knowing what it was going to be about uh seemed perhaps maybe a little bit left field but then totally made sense it all just seemed to add up to me and also expanded beyond any original aim of just coming up with an alternative for leather it was this whole idea of uh, using all the different bits of the product the byproduct of the pineapples in useful ways mm -hmm. and then the waste from the byproduct yeah and and beautiful shoes i'm gonna have to say <laughs> they did they did look great they did look great for me the, the better cotton initiative really stood out just because they are working on cotton, which is something that we all wear already. Uh, it's, it's great to try and change the world by changing what everybody does, but how about if you change it by changing the way people already do the things they're already doing, ultimately? Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Earth Unscrewed. 
If you're interested in any of the stuff we've been talking about, then don't forget to check out our website where we've put a whole bunch more reading and links. And we've also put a link to our homepage in the description of this episode. And if you're interested in the clothing subscription service that Eric talked about in the feature, just head to our website and we'll make sure all the details are on there. And don't forget to subscribe to the series and give us a rating and review on iTunes. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.